Madam Speaker, under Uniform Rule 52, I move and ask unanimous consent that the first special session of the 33rd Alaska State Legislature adjourn sine die. From the Capital City, I'm Jazz Garrett. That was Representative Dan Sadler, Senate Majority Leader. The Alaska Senate passed House Bill 39, fiscal year 2024, operating and capital budget last night around 6 p.m. with an 84.2 million surplus. Following its passing, it went to the House floor and was passed there around 7 p.m. The special session began and ended Thursday, one day after the four-month regular session ended without a budget deal. Representative David Eastman made multiple objections throughout the House floor session on amendments made to House Bill 39. This is an objection he made to Amendment Appropriation, Operating Budget, Loans Fund, Supplemental. The amendment does fall far short of achieving the goals that we set out to achieve at the beginning of the session. Uh, certainly uh, the goals that we set out to achieve in, uh, in my campaign, talking with constituents, um, I, I look and I, I see is there anything uh, in this amendment that deals with repaying the more than $10 billion owed to the CBR. I, I don't see anything in the amendment um, or the underlying bill for that matter. If I've missed it, uh, please let me know. Um, I, I don't see us getting any closer. In fact, I see us getting further away from following the law with regard to what the amount of the dividend should be. Um, and for so many other things that look so much like the same budget we passed last year. House Speaker Representative Kathy Telton adjourned the special session. Sounds like uh, we are we're hearing no objection. Uh, the first special session of the 33rd Alaska State Legislature is adjourned. Signy die. The Senate and House are now adjourned until January of 2024. The budget increases education funding outside the formula by $174.9 million, the single largest increase in state history, provides Alaskans with a 1300 permanent fund dividend, and leaves the state with an $84.2 million surplus. Charlotte Truitt is the executive director for Juno Symphony, and she joined Capital Chat. Tonight is their spring concert. Well, tonight we have a concert, which is fun. Uh, it's our spring concert for our Prelude Orchestra, and we're partnering with the Juno String Ensembles group Ursa Major with um, Mr. Shaw and his musicians as well. And so it's going to be a great night of music with young musicians. We have about 35 musicians playing, and we hope that friends and family can come out and support them. It's a free concert at Egan Library at 7 o'clock tonight. Here is a preview of what to expect. Theme from Game of Thrones, theme from Harry Potter, The Mandalorian, an American fiddle medley, um, going to Boston, a Brandenburg concerto, the Pink Panther, that's always fun, Hallelujah from Handel's Messiah, uh, Spring Breezes, Millionaire's Hoedown, and of course the favorite Alaska flag song, and then one that all the kids love to play, it's called Ninja. This summer, the Juno Symphony is holding their annual strings camp. And that is happening July 17th through the 21st. And this camp is fun because we do it up at Eagle Crest. So it's great to get kids up there in the summertime. So they do about a half day of playing music and then a half day playing outside in the outdoors. They do hiking, berry picking, games. And so it's a really good blend of uh, physical activity. They do finger knitting. We're going to have musical theater this year. Uh, we've had form line drawing. This is how third graders through middle schoolers can sign up. 
If people are interested in our Summer Strings Camp, they can just go on our website, junosymphony.org, to register. And we also have scholarshiping available for that. We provide busing from a few different locations. So we bus kids up to Eagle Crest, provide lunch, and a, just a great week of activity, again, with Franz Felkel and uh, Megan Johnson's, also the co-camp director of the Summer Strings Camp. And coming up is Juno Symphony's final concert for their season. Costumes are encouraged. At the final concert of our 60th season, it's our epic season. We've been promoting that all year long. And we're going out with a bang with a big pops concert. It's called Showdowns. It's June 3rd and 4th at Juno Douglas High School. Again, we have lots of favorite movie music for folks to enjoy. Coming up next on News of the North, yesterday was the first release of the Business Climate Survey for 2023, presented at the Chamber of Commerce's weekly luncheon. And negotiations continue on the debt ceiling. Coming up next with Jordan Lewis. Welcome back to News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis. Each year, Southeast Conference conducts a regional business climate survey in order to track Southeast Alaska's business confidence. Yesterday was their first release of their business climate survey for 2023, which was presented at the Chamber of Commerce's weekly luncheon. Southeast Conference Direct Robin Venables and Raincoast Data's Milani Shavins presented the findings. Shavins went over key takeaways. So when we look at all communities in Southeast, um, Sitka has the highest positivity. Juno, we're, we're kind of in the middle. Um, we were doing a little bit more poorly last year. Actually, Juno's uh, increased positivity sort of brought up the whole region um, because there's so many of us. And, and Wrangell sits at the bottom. And what you can see when you sort of look through this is that when you have those cruise ship ports, um, communities with the, the large cruise ship ports have the highest positivity rating. Pelican also had a high positivity rating despite not having large cruise ships coming in. Wrangell was the only community, quote, underwater, who had a higher poor overall rating than their overall good rating. Nearly 100 businesses in Juneau responded to the survey. Our Alaska Native organizations had the highest positivity rating across all of Southeast Alaska, followed by the visitor and tourism sector, food and beverage business. And, you know, oftentimes we'll put food and beverage in with the tourism, so it makes sense that those two sectors are so closely aligned. And at the bottom, we've got only two sectors that have a higher negativity rating than a positivity rating, and that's our seafood sector. We're um, having some tough times there. And also transportation, non-tourism. Nearly two-thirds, or 65% of regional business leaders currently have a positive view on Southeast Alaska's business climate, the highest positivity rating since recording began in 2010. Another substantial part was that the businesses say that they are feeling good about a 12-month outlook if they could find employees. Despite that, it's the second best outlook ever seen since 2010. You can see everyone in Huna is hiring. The two-thirds of their business leaders there that responded say that they're going to be adding jobs over this next year. Ketchikan, Juno, and Sitka all, all adding jobs um, at the, the highest level. Wrangell, I put them at the top. They don't have the highest job reduction, but they also have an additional 20% say that they just don't know. More than half of the businesses say they cannot hire people due to lack of housing and child care. For jobs being added, Alaska Native organizations are at the top. She compares community outlooks. Skagway, Gustavus, Huna, Sitka, and Juno. And this is looking forward to people who say it's going to get better or much better. So you see just really strong positive ratings across the board for those who have large cruise ships coming to their communities. And on the opposite side, the, the communities that have the most poor outlook moving forward. So this is, again, looking forward to the next 12 months. Wrangell, Prince of Wales, Petersburg. Again, a sort of a similar story. 
The communities with poor outlooks have small cruise ship ports and seafood ports. For the whole survey, go to raincoastdata.com. And the lead negotiator on debt ceiling talks for House Republicans came out of a meeting with White House negotiators this morning saying negotiations have come to a pause. ABC News White House correspondent Karen Travers has the latest from the administration. The White House says a, quote, responsible bipartisan budget agreement is still possible if the two sides continue to negotiate in good faith and recognize that neither side will get everything at once. Still, a White House official acknowledged there are, quote, real differences between the parties on budget issues and said that talks will be, quote, difficult. That assessment comes after Congressman Garrett Graves, who's leading the talks for House Republicans, told reporters that negotiators decided to press pause Friday because it was, quote, just not productive. The White House says the president's team is continuing to work toward a reasonable bipartisan solution that can pass the House and the Senate. Karen Travers, ABC News, Washington. Never miss a story or a newscast at knyradio.com. Now you're up to date. I'm Jordan Lewis for News of the North.